Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. The biggest thing that I think companies get wrong when they think we're building a media company is they don't focus enough on attention. To me, it's less about the media and more about the audience. Insane. Kind of shifting our perspective from creating content from an SEO perspective, performance content that's like built for an algorithm, to creating media, telling stories for humans. And that's the whole point is what can you do that is actually so interesting that makes the resource you've spent so much of your budget actually pay off? What's up, everybody? I'm Daniel, founder of the Marketing Millennials. Some of you might have heard of the Marketing Millennials. Um, this is put on by the Marketing Millennials, but thank you, Trip Actions, Navon now for putting this on for us. I want to get started by introducing the guests. Right here, Mark Young, aka Meeting Mark, VP of Brain and Media at Extivia, Extiva, and you may know him from Fire Talks, where he did it at Dooley. This is Ari Murray. If you don't know, she's my wife. It's VP <laughs> of Growth at Charmer Brands, but she also has a newsletter, Go to Millions. Let's start today. <laughs> and then, last but not least, AJ at Beach founder. And CEO of Audience Plus. He's the CMO of every company in the world. Good sound. Gainsight, Offit, Front. And today we're going to talk about what it's like to become a media company, tactics of how to run a media company. And everybody has a different perspective. So we're going to dive in. But the first question I want to tee off is what does it mean to you to become a media company? I'll take it off the bottom. All right, test one, two, test one, two. So I'm going to come with a little shots fired. <laughs> Raise your hand if you think media and content marketing are the same. Three seconds on the clock. One guy. One guy in the back. Any other takers? All right, so I'm here to hopefully prove you wrong or at least give you my reason why media is not content marketing. So I kind of have five pillars of what media is. One, media is about building in public, not in private. Two, you should be focusing on the problem and not the product. The biggest thing that I think companies get wrong when they think we're building a media company is they don't focus enough on attention. The first thing that you need to be doing when you're building a media company is building attention. If no one cares about you and you are not relevant, you don't matter. From there, you can transition to intention. I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N. Once you rally the base and you understand who you are, then you can start to really link into the social and emotional problems that you're solving for. So we're going to get really tactical here. And I know everyone has great definitions, but my take is media company completely different from content. I think most people get it wrong and we'll, we'll get into the tactics, but that's my quick take. So I'll throw it to you, Ari. You're out. Thank you. I asked Daniel if I could go third. Thanks, Mark. Oh, my bad. No, no, it's okay. We can stay friends. Uh, to me, a media company is a company that puts 
getting their message across above everything else. So instead of creating content or thinking that your content is so interesting or your brand or your product is so interesting that people, I have to put the mic to my face, um, that people will just come and discover you and do it all, you know, on their own will. That's not how it works. You have to draw up demand. And that happens when you put your messaging and your ability to communicate to your audience first. And when I'm launching a brand or when we're working with our clients, we think of the brands that have the biggest demand. And those are the ones with the creators and the people behind them. So to me, a media company is based on making it interesting. Your turn. Those are all good. I mean, I think for just to add maybe some more color, I think to me, it's less about the media, more about the audience and, and kind of shifting our perspective from creating content from an SEO perspective performance content that's like built for an algorithm to creating media, telling stories for humans and for people. And by doing so, we're able to build a direct relationship with this audience. And I think that is sort of one of the key elements. And a lot of this from for B2B companies, you're thinking about all of our distribution channels historically have been through channels that we don't own ultimately, right? We, need out the LinkedIn algorithm for work in our favor to get our message across. We need Google search algorithm for work. So the idea of building an audience that you own, not in a weird way, of course, but like from the perspective of owning that relationship, controlling distribution to that is kind of how I think about it. The last piece that I would add that I think is really important on top of that is when you look at what Anthony's talking about in traditional marketing, so much of it has been about capturing existing demand which is limited based on the volume of who is searching for that thing and knows that that thing exists. When you flip this and become a media company, you go from capturing demand to creating demand. You control the narrative, you drive things forward and you build, you build a relationship with that audience that becomes the source multiplier where your brand and your media fuels demand and demand fuels brand and media. And that's the secret to building raving fans that win. I'm gonna go to A-Carry now. So you held many CMO roles we mentioned at the beginning, but you created a company based on building a media company. So what strategies have you implemented in the past to go into your theory of why a media company should exist? What are some tactical things that you can get with audience done. Yeah, I mean, the, the example that comes to mind is Gatesight, which is a company that had, when we started a very small team, and it was a category that didn't have, you know, a lot of other vendors competing and folks didn't understand what customer success was at the time. And so what we did was started creating media content, holding events just like this one, not talking about our products, but talking about this pain that people felt around churn and you know uh, them not having sort of seat at the executive table how we can really empower them and it wasn't us standing on stage as the experts it was us sort of building the stage and letting them come and share their stories on our platform um and so that showed up on our blog it showed up on our events and ultimately it showed up in our email database that we were building using again more of the i suppose non-traditional ways to grow a database success not necessarily being on paid media as much as it was honestly our own thought leadership and being able to get folks kind of engaged that way. So through that, and, and I think Mark's definition around category education, I worded that, it's really spot on. We were able to kind of 
bring people together that cared about a narrative and resource them and kind of help sort of engage them and build that relationship over time. Media is a great way to scale relationship building when we can't do, we can't all do this every week and right in person, unfortunately. So through those efforts, we were able to uh, then monetize from the SaaS perspective. So as folks got more engaged deeper into our, our I guess, audience, we called that at the time, they would eventually buy the product and get customers. And what the CMO reflections is that cohort, cohort of leads that came through more of the media channel, they were the reading fans. They referred their, their network. They, you know, bought the product renewed. And the folks that we acquired through any kind of transactional ways of the outbound cold calling or whatever, those weren't the cohort of like the healthy cohort of revenue ultimately for the company. So um, I think you know, back then we'd have language around this, but the strategy I think was, was very similar, that this was the most sustainable way to grow a SaaS business then and, and certainly I think now. Yeah. And Bart, you've been bullish on doing this at every SaaS company you've joined. Um, what are a couple of things you have implemented in the past. What are the things we talked about fire talks a little bit? You could talk about that, but what are some tactics you've implemented along the media side? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I love to get tactical, but first, everyone, I have a quick ask for you. Pull up your phones. I'll give you two seconds. Go to Audience Plus on LinkedIn and give it a follow because AJ is pulling together some of the best marketing and growth leaders in the space with really good tactical tips on how to do media. And I think generally speaking, a lot of people in the space, no offense, are still talking about content marketing and not doing media. So give audience boss a follow, give AK a follow, check it out. I mean, without saying, Ari, Daniel, go to millions, you're already followers now, but go and do that because AK is the man and I love what you're building. And now we can stop that. Yeah, okay, yeah. That was that was paid by the way. He's got me a pro subscription for the year. It's great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty cheap. If anyone wants to sponsor me, hit me up on TikTok. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm going to give you an example. And uh, I didn't trademark this, but I should have. And it's called Meme Inquisition. I'm going to paint a story for a little bit of a picture. So imagine that you are the seventh employee joining a startup. It's been around for like three, four years, hasn't got a ton of traction, has six months of cash left. And this is your first gig in SaaS. You were a management consultant. You ran some marketing in an agency before, had no idea any of the three-letter acronyms that are SaaS, and really that's all SaaS is, three-letter acronyms. And you were tasked to not only drive growth and funding for this company, but to take it at a massive level. You're, again, six months of runway, six months of cash, that's how much time you have. 30 days into starting your role, the pandemic hits, and you go... Not only do we have no cash, we have zero dollars, but we got to figure out a creative way to reach millions of people. You're in a sales tech company. So this was me three and a half years ago in my first role in SaaS. And I'll give you sort of the tactical playbook of one of the best things that I did for that company. So sales tech, it was around Salesforce. If anyone knows Salesforce, you know the pain of using CRM and how much it sucks. So looked at all of the ways, and I think really smart media companies think about a few things that Anthony and Ari will talk about. Distribution is where media companies win and die. Again, when I come back to getting attention, if you do not have attention, it does not matter how great your product is. It does not matter how great your monetization strategy is. If you lose attention, you are irrelevant. So 
I was looking for a way of saying, hey, I have no money. I have a new product that has been around now. People know about it. How can I connect with people on the social and emotional pains that they've experienced with Salesforce? So I realized that there's a massive ecosystem in what's called sales humor. So these are massive meme pages about sales humor, things that people find funny in sales, and zero B2B companies were partnering with these pages to create content. So with some creative outbound, I made friends with the founders and said, hey, would you post some content for me for free? And any revenue that it drives, I will give you 100% of it. Every dollar you will get straight to you. Fast forward to three months from now, we had raised over $80 million in Series B. We had increased our web traffic by over 3,000%. We had millions of people seeing our content. And the reason it worked was three reasons. One, distribution. They had an audience. Two, we understood their channel model fit. We weren't posting newsletters or white papers. We were posting memes about Salesforce. Our first meme was, if you know Indiana Jones, that scene of the guy sitting at the computer who all of a sudden like is a skull and is melting. And it just said, just going to update Salesforce real quick. Finished. And that was our content strategy. And that's the third reason. It didn't take me three videographers and 10 grand. I could create a meme in Canva in 30 seconds and reach 150,000 people. That became the lifeblood of our company. And we were able to connect to people on a social and emotional level. So think about those in how you're deciding your distribution. But I'll, I'll tee it back to you and we can go from there. Yeah, I'm going to go to Ari because she's, if you don't know Ari, she's worked for 10 celebrities now and celebrity brands. And the celebrity brands have all created content that's stroke commerce. And it's different levels of them that didn't drive commerce and didn't and did drive commerce. I want to go into what are some interesting things that you see from working with like this piece of by Mr. Beast and who's like Courtney Kardashian of like some agency plays that they did with content to drive sales. Okay. So I'll give you an example from last night. We were editing an ad in Slack at 9 p.m. And it's, it's so good. Thank you. Um, it's a client of ours. Uh, I work at Charva Brands. Yes, we um, you can hire us and let us know. Um, but oh, yeah, oh my God. Can you hear me? <laughs> Amazing. So at Charva Brands, we were editing a video last night in Slack, and it has a celebrity that is attached as the face of the brand. It's not their brand. They didn't found it, but they're a partner for at least the next three years. And they are a big celebrity and it's not their product. So what do you do when you have a celebrity that you're paying to attach to your brand? You have to use them for their might, which is to get eyeballs. And so this is a series that we thought through as a non-paid approach. So it's organic content and it's basically the celebrity taking on roles at an e-com company. So pretending that they are driving the forklift and packing your order, but they're doing it really bad and they're like knocking things over and everything's breaking and it's actually a nightmare and it's very unbreak for that person that's one version but then we have them what's up the whole day so what do they do then they're the receptionist and then they're like mortal enemy that everyone knows that they fight with calls and they hang it up and then it just says like celebrity saying is working at x and then the third is they're in the kitchen microwaving, microwaving their lunch and it's salmon and it's spinach and it's disgusting celebrities like literally judging them it's a whole thing and the whole thing is meant to be organic that's how the day was paid for and then it's so funny at least we think 
that we're cutting it into 15 second ads that we're going to use or paid. And that's the whole point is what can you do that is actually so interesting that makes the resource you've spent so much of your budget actually pay off. And you have to be funny or creative or whatever's on brand for your company. But it definitely isn't just a celebrity attaches their name. It's a celebrity plus a good idea attaches their name to a great product and then it can go well. Adam Ryan's back there, but the, he gave an answer on my podcast that the number one thing in marketing is to get attention. This is one way that Ari is getting attention with celebrities. There's different ways of methodologies to do that. I'm going to go to AK because you kind of talked about owning your audience. Um, and this is one of your pillars of your company of like people should own the audience. So what are some strategies that people should do today to start owning their audience yeah. for a lot of emerging consumer brands this might sound like super basic but for b2b we're about seven to ten years behind you yeah. so this so forgive me but you know and like you mentioned a lot of the content we produce is seo related content right for for blog posts so the idea of owning an audience you know i'm sort of learning from consumer media use cases and one of that part which is thinking about channels as rented at the very top of the funnel. And that could be social media, content networks like YouTube and others. Uh, it could be SEO as well. And in B2B, you know, prioritize having a, a strategy in those channels. But with consumer media, the goal of being on LinkedIn, Instagram, some of these things, is to de-platform your audience, what they call subscriber. And we don't really have that notion Everything is like talk to sales, get demo, you know, try the product. No idea of a relationship with your brand that is not rooted in a commercial kind of idea. So in taking a play out of that playbook, think about helping me be in those rented channels, but try to drive folks to our own property, try to earn that subscription and try to deliver value kind of over time through content media events, these types of things. And so, you know, tactically, some of these things are like, I know this sounds kind of basic, but short form video. How do you take your extended blog posts or uh, podcasts or a decided video series and kind of build it in these like chunks, right? Right, these like small bites and put that on TikTok or LinkedIn or whatever. And what's interesting for TikTok doesn't work in this context, but LinkedIn is the second you try to link away from those rents of channels, you get like a fraction of the impressions that you're, you're used to. And so the idea, I think, in general, is how do you build up what um, I think is referred to as algorithmic capital by like playing the game, you know, posting a bunch of stuff that doesn't actually make off property, uploading like native video, those types of things. And then over time, depreciating the algorithmic capital by then linking out to your audience and building it back up again. It's kind of silly. We help them play these games, but it works. And I think that's, you know, this idea of being where our audience is is an important one. But thinking through the lens that, all right, how can we take an audience that is rented through all of these different channels and kind of build that direct relationship with them? And I think, honestly, for me, companies, that's essential. Like, we have to be building a first party data set about our audience with understanding engagement with our audience. It would be data that we're not going to get from YouTube or Spotify or some of these places. And so I think this is actually a, a, a big transformation that's coming. And it's just very early days for, for our industry. AK is saying it's really basic, but most companies won't invest in short form video. They won't invest in media. They won't invest in 
use that as they want to invest in podcasts because yeah. one reason the attribution softwares that they currently have can predict revenue for this. So the question I want to lead into this and Mark or AK or Ari can answer this is how do you get buy-in to do these these I'll give you my my quick take on this. And this is my favorite two liner you can always tell to your executive team that sounds sexy that they go, they'll bring it to the board and be like, yeah. So you say this, the customer journey starts before the customer journey. And for us to win in our market, we have to be different and not better. And I'll give you a really quick example here and then I'll throw it over. One, most companies, especially B2B, they stick to playing the board Imagine like a game of chess, like a chess board. They accept the limitations that other companies and people have set up, but I think it's the biggest thing you should never do as a marketer. I think you always have the opportunity to flip that board over and define your own rules. And I'll give you a piece of tactical inspiration about what this looks like. So if you're a scrappy marketer with two grand or an enterprise marketer with 500, here's my reco. Uh, Fresh books. For those of you who don't know, we're up against with books, you know, now acquired, like, massive, massive space. They had to spend 200 grand as a starting point to get the smallest, shittiest booth at the place that everyone was at. So what they did is they said to their executive team, hey, give me $2,000 in an intern and the weekend, and we're going to come up with a concept. Do you know what they did? They started small, they pitched a concept, and rather than going and spend 200 grand a booth, they recreated the banana stand from Arrested Development, if you've seen this. Literally, it was paper mache, they built it on the weekend, and they put QR codes on bananas. And they gave up 5,000 bananas and were shouted out as the best booth on stage from somebody who paid 500 grand for that. They were not happy. So again, first, give them a sexy line that the board will feel confident in that you know what you're doing. Second, pitch a small, hey, two grand, it's not going to matter, like we'll go running. Third, do it on the weekend or do it outside of the scope of your role so they can't say no. And four, deliver an amazing experience where they're going to say, how do I write you a blank check? Oh, I got three more for you on that same, same lens. First is, um, you know, I think that every company's doing media company thing is awesome and buzzy and really, really cool. I have started sort of saying this is the, the, the beatified version of saying that same thing. It's like owned media. Because we understand paid media, we understand earned media, we understand owned, just like the textbooks of marketing, right? But now saying there's this resurgence in owned media, it's kind of one thing that's been resonating. The second is, you know, if you look around at 2023, it's a tough economy, right? We're telling you, it's, it's this season of marketing period. It's going to look a little bit different than it's in the past. The conviction that I have is that owned media is one of the most efficient ways to actually grow. And that's the conversation being held in the boardroom today. Conversations some of us are talking about. And the reason is, hate media is often the biggest line item in the marketing budget. And it's often the most scrutinized. And you think about how much we spend on Google AdWords and things that you know, show development effectively for, for B2B is you know, much less. And you own distribution, you can have you know, free effectively reach into your target audience to build it. Last thing is on the measurement side, you should uh, figure out. Audience plus uh, 18 months, then plus the show there. I'm also going to go to Ari on this because she has a different perspective on of media because she comes from the e commerce side. And every time we're looking at websites, Ari always says, 
Why aren't they captioning phone numbers? Why aren't they captioning emails? So I want to go into like, what is why should be companies start captioning phone numbers? Why should they start captioning emails? And why should they own their audiences at D2C? So if you're going to try to email someone, would you rather text them? And for me, the answer is I would rather not end up in your promotions tab. I'd rather end up on your phone where you're spending too much time and where I know one day I'd like at least the opportunity to get to reach you. So when you're having someone directed to your site and you know for a fact that maybe you can't get that conversion that day, maybe that's not just how life works, would you rather be able to contact them again in one way or in two ways? And for us, we always try to capture more information than we currently need because we know one day that phone number will be more expensive for us to own and will help us one day later on. But on the flip side, we make a lot of landing pages and you would never catch us putting an email capture pop-up on that landing page because for us, we know if that landing page is used behind paid and it's in a really like bottom funnel moment, would we rather add an extra step? So for us, it's never like one or the other, it's both. And on homepage, your email capture should be as fluid and as important as anything else on your site. And it should never just be like the crappy template that you're handed. So very important to make it like a very informed decision by channel. Thank you, Dan. I also want to go into one of the most important things in media is people, the people behind the brands, the creators behind the brands, and ultimately the founders behind the brands talking, especially in B2B. I'm going to go with Mark first, and then AK, you get it from the perspective because you are a founder creating content online. But what have you seen from having a founder create a brand and also like people in the company creating content online? Yeah. And I mean, um, first shout out to Ari because she is the best DBC marketer I know. And if y'all are looking for people, you should hire Ari. Just the real deal. And I mean, to her point, the best time to email is text. But whatever you do, don't use that friction lightly. If you're adding text and you're just sending me like a massive block of buying your product, we're out. But seriously, go to Millions, the newsletter. If you're not following it, do it because honestly, like these are my favorite people. Like don't follow me, just follow them because like they've got really good things to say. When I think about brands that the one, I had a chance to work with some of the original folks at Drift out in Boston. If any of you guys know Drift, the, the chat bot. And they prioritized building not only a founder brand behind David Cancel, who was coming up on a space trying to disrupt their market, right? They figured out who their enemy was. It was that massive nine-step form that we all hated filling out, asking for like our social insurance number and favorite color before we could even talk to an SDR. It was bad, right? So they said, hey, this is a problem. Us marketers, we know that problem. How do we talk to the social and emotional pain about that? You'll hear me say social and emotional pain so many times. It's like pinned on my fridge at home, but it really matters. If you take away only one thing, it's leading to the social and emotional pain. What they did was they started getting everyone in their company to talk about that on LinkedIn. Again, most B2B buyers were there, handful of marketers. Show of hands, who heard of Drift here in the early days? We got B2B folks. Don't be afraid. Raise your hands a little higher. But uh, yeah, there we go. Okay, see, look. Drift worked because of that. And I mean, uh, I'll give you a little insight, stupid. I wouldn't do this. If you cancel, how did a Google Sheet? That'd be like, who posted on LinkedIn and who did it, right? And that was like a way to keep people accountable. But I think in some ways, like it was good and bad. And he learned about it and he's talked about it publicly. 
but it was, you need to create a company from the place where people in your team are excited to talk about the problem you are solving. As marketers, if you ask your team to share your white paper, your blog, your CSR report, hashtag snooze, you're going to die on the vine. Give your people something exciting and that rallying cry and let them be them. People, for the most part, let us be honest, work for money. People aren't excited always to come to work and talk about chatbots. So let them talk about sports. Let them talk about shopping. Look at this jacket from the row. Like, let them talk about the problem in the language that they know, and that's where you win. So I think you got to shout out the shoes from the row. <laughs> oh, my best friend Carly, who's right there in the white shirt, the button down with the belt over it. She had these, so then I had to get them. So we'll say thank you. Yep, you can guide from Kimberly Potts. Yeah. Um, going into the founder grant. Yeah. Um, what is your approach when creating Onion Plus with you as a founder? You know, at Gainsight, I worked for a founder and my job was to get my CEO out there and help build this sort of authentic relationship with the market. And I think that's our power in marketing is to sort of like, do that at scale and keep it, you know, can't go to every meeting, go to every city, that sort of thing. And so I love being the number two guy uh, to it. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. Uh, and so being up here, you know, it's it's going sort of outside my comfort zone. And so doing that all the time, digitally, videos, podcasts, I it's a muscle that I'm developing, but I feel like I have to for, I think, a point you just made that people buy from people. And where you think about the things that Edelman Trust Report that just came out a month ago, some 63%, I think, or some odd high number of people buy from companies who share their values and beliefs. And there's some similar stat around employees that works for brands that share their, their beliefs. So our jobs as, as spokespeople effectively is to be the, to try at least, to be the represent, representation of our, our vision, our values, our purpose for our company. So I think there's a responsibility to do it. I also think when you're, so we're super small, to be clear, we're a very, very small company, but there's this like value around cadence or just like relentlessness, like of constantly pushing that content out. And I think that's the other piece of, of, of the thought of brand isn't just being vulnerable and putting yourself out, out there and kind of telling the story, but it's like saying yes to a lot of things and doing a lot in order to get the message out there and have that coming from you as the first closest business. Thank you everybody for coming. Um, drinks, food. This has been so fun. Um, and I hope you got some good insights. These are amazing guests. And thank you, Mark, Ari, and AK for coming out and speaking. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, Please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.